Welcome to episode 35 of Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. A show in which we talk about the craft of tabletop role-playing games. My name is Marley. You can follow me at minor underscore Lenahan or my various social media sites at linktr.ee slash minor underscore Lenahan. And my pronouns are he, him. And joining me today is my co-host... Hello there, my name is Cole, a.k.a. Ice Cole Broom. My pronouns are they, them, he, him. And where can they find you on the internet? I thought I said that. Wow, my You did, you said, did but, I mean, you did, but we have to be absolutely clear. You said, uh, a.k.a. Ice Cold Brew, which is your, your links on most social media sites, on all social media sites that I'm aware of, but I just wanted to have it stated outright. That's true, that's true. So you can find me at Ice Cold Brew on the website twitter tumblr mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. M- mastodon i have a mastodon now blue sky hive. hive hive which i've neglected not to use uh linkter is coming up soon i promise Ooh. i'll get to that that will be Exciting. a thursday pro- actually it could be a wednesday project for me I a wednesday project time. everybody yeah hey, it's a wednesday which is which before this be really- <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be done by the time this podcast comes out, maybe, or maybe not. Who cares? Mm. <laughs> if you're lucky. No. Yeah. They're really easy. I do recommend them. Link trees are fun. Okay. You have to change the color. As I soon as it. I mentioned that I need to make a link tree, Holly also said to me, why haven't you made a link tree yet? It's so easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you used to have to pay Squarespace, which we are not sponsored by. We're one of the few podcasts not sponsored by them. Uh, to make a website, but now you can just get a link tree, which we are also not sponsored by. Oh, God. I need to tell you about this, too. Um, okay. It's a little bit about, like, the streaming stuff, but because I've been streaming so much recently, I got mm-hmm. an offer to be sponsored by the biggest oh, sponsor no. of them all, Rage <sighs> Shadow Legends. I have turned Rage it down Shadow and will not do it. I think I've heard it. I I have been lucky in that I disable most of the ads and most of the things by... Like on YouTube, I pay for YouTube, so I don't have to have any ads. And then there's just Twitch, which I watch sparingly enough that I don't see the ads. But what is it? Raid Shadow Legends. I, I haven't I paid you wanna... yet. I'm yeah, gonna they Google haven't paid it. me yet. Yeah. Is it the one it... with the, the, the little knight and the it's, he has like a bunch of uh, pins they have to pull to cover him in lava or whatnot? No. I would rather be sponsored by one of those folks, but no, okay. this is a, uh, it's like a, one of those like idle clicker type of games where yeah. you'll play for a little bit, level up characters, play, uh, put the phone down, let them level up on their own, come back, level up yeah. again. And you can like PVP other folks, but I'm just like, I'm not interested in that. I don't care. <laughs> but it's your brand. This is your whole thing. You remember it, how you always keep not. talking about about idle clickers and and you love you love Dungeons and Dragons so much so this looks a bit fantasy it's just that again you know they know you mm-hmm. oh well if you can get that money it's good money if you can get it um anyway today we are talking about a postmortem of my newest supplement game thing uh Salvage's Isle which I made for the Iron Country Jam uh Halloween is in there somewhere uh, for Bump in the Dark. Um, but first, let's pitch something else I've been working on, which is Patreon. We have a Patreon, everybody. We do. 
Um, it is it is uh, inside the table. What is it? Patreon.com slash inside the table. Is that the yeah, right? You know the link. It's a yeah. very easy link, but I always forget it and have to repeat it. Um, and uh, yes, so just a shout out to that one. We have three, three, count them, uh, different levels. We have next table over where for $2.99, you get to listen to our monthly bonus podcast, which we have um, one or two. We've done two, right? Yeah, yes, we've, we've done, done two. two so far. We did uh, one about your history of drinks and about like how how like making drinks and how how um, working in food service. I feel like is has always been almost been like you know a really informative part of your of your working life. I suppose like your name is Ice Cold Brew, and we go into why that is, and we have a bunch of good drink recommendations, and I think I do a quiz for some reason. The next one, I think so as well. What was what was the next one? It was the one we did most recently, but it, oh, it was One Piece. One Piece. I had to watch One Piece. Um, <laughs> I watched I watched one episode and then talked about what the next thousand episodes could be. Um, I don't think I think I said I came down that I was just like I can't imagine watching a thousand episodes. Uh, but I had a good time with that episode. Might continue watching, which I haven't. Um, but that was really fun having a, a breakdown of that, and it was sort of interesting engaging with um, a, a sh- an anime that is extremely odd, um, and that every time anyone describes it to me, it sounds like a weird dream they had. Um, so if you want to have a listen to any of those, it only costs you two dollars ninety nine a month. Um, next, we have Seat of the Table, which is you can join our our special little Discord in which we are recording this this very podcast right now um although you can't enter it unless we let you in but you can still talk to us about tabletop rpgs and do all this sort of stuff um and you can also if you're at that tier you can vote on various podcast stuff such as the topic we are talking about uh we have pardon me uh we have four uh topics this month uh which we are currently doing a vote for Mm. um and is... those are, although hopefully we can just get away with just having the one that got picked. Um, the, 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 the topics are wrestling, esports casting, making a podcast, and the video game by Remedy, Quantum Break. Um, currently, we have 100% on making a podcast, so that looks to be what our monthly podcast is this time. But if you would like to really throw a wrench into the works and have us need to pick another one you can you can join you can join the podcast uh at the seat of the table level and you can vote for another one and you can invite all your other friends and uh we can be forced to talk about something else uh which is very fun um and finally there is the vip table which is 49 dollars 99 cents which i think is very funny um and if you join that tier, you will get your name shout out in the podcast. Uh, please yeah. give us a lot of money for that. That would be really funny. I think that'd be good. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. It helps us. It essentially helps us make sure we can keep doing these things because mm. it, it's fun for one. Yeah. But two, it it's nice to be able to support a lifestyle and be able yeah. to support folks where you can. Yeah, I am excited for it. I like making money. It is fun to do. 
Um, and it is especially fun working uh, as a freelancer and working for big companies, kind of, um, and and doing that sort of stuff. But also, like, I would like to be able to have the freedom to do really fun things and dedicate a lot of time to it. And uh, the more money we, we get out on our Patreon, the more time we can sort of spend on making cool things and doing exciting things for um, the podcast. And, yeah, we like doing this. So, so, so throw some money this way if you're enjoying it. And, and shout us out. Um, anyway, without any further ado, Cole, what has been inspiring you lately? Well, so I had a lot come at me fairly quickly around the past few days. Cole, life I, comes at you fast. I'll tell yeah, you that Yeah, I'm for trying free. to run faster. Yeah. I, but, uh, I'll, I'll start with one of the bigger things I got to be, uh, that happened. Uh, so... Around the San Antonio, Texas area, we were in line for one of the solar eclipses that uh, will be crossing around this area. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the first of two in six months that we will happen. The next one will happen on my wedding day. Okay. But uh, we w- stayed down in Austin because I was like, I'm not fighting traffic for six hours to go down to San Antonio to see it once mm-hmm. to see the moon get blotted out by the sun and then have to drive back up. Yeah. Uh, so we went into the solar eclipse, got to witness that, and then we, Holly was like, let's go to the witch's market at this place called the Glass Coffin in Austin, which is currently, sidebar, is currently having the business kicked out along with a whole bunch of other businesses along I-35 to make way for the expansion project of the highway on I-35. Insert okay. JPEG, just one more lane. I swear it'll fix if we just put one more lane. I swear to God, if I just get one more lane, just one more lane. I swear I've I've seen this Disney Channel original film where a bunch of witches get kicked out by property developers and they have to fight back. Like I've seen this. Yeah, <laughs> that's essentially what happened. So during an eclipse. Go... <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah, that'd be weird. That sounds like something that they would do. But yeah. we didn't go to the witches' market because on the way there, right by the highway, and right off the intersection of a feeder next to a gas station where some food trucks are, we saw a little black kitten sprinting across the street, dodging cars and just scared out of her mind. Okay. Quick question. In America, Mm -hmm. is is a black cat crossing a path good luck or bad luck? Bad luck, but I don't care about that. Okay, good. I mean, if you're British... Apparently it's good. It's the opposite or something. It's it's a weird superstition. Anyway, continue. Well, she's good luck for us because uh, we went and uh, picked her up and uh, got her out of the street. Uh, mm-hmm. She went hiding underneath someone's tire, and the guy like got out of his car, helped scoop the cat up, and Holly picked up the cat, held onto her, and I was like, oh, the other cats might be by the food truck. Let me see if I can find anything. Couldn't mm-hmm. find shit. Okay. And uh, so I went to the next logical thing of let's go to the animal shelter, get her checked out. They were booked up, could not check anyone out, but they gave us a box and said, you can go to these clinics. Clinics had multiple hour long waits. So we're trying again uh, tomorrow, basically, because we tried today and Holly had Mm -hmm. to go to work and I was at work at the time. Okay. But um, my initial plan with this little kitten, it's a about four or five week old kitten. Mm -hmm. Literally fits in the palm of my hand. Oh. And uh, she is skin and bone. We are trying to oh, feed her as much as we can. She is eating, fortunately. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really take to milk formula at the moment, though, sadly. 
but small cat. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we can foster this kitten for a little while, find her a new home. Uh, I know folks who work for like Austin Animal Shelter, Austin Pets Alive, Austin Humane Society. Like we can find a way to get her into a foster network. Mm -hmm. And then Holly named her. (laughs) Yeah. She did not name her once. She named her three different times trying to figure out which name sounds best. What does that mean? <laughs> like, is it like three concurrent names happening at the same time? Or was, was Holly sort of switching between them? Or what, what's the name situation? She, I have made fun of people for doing this, but she is doing the uh, jo- the meme that will happen of upper class, upper middle class white women naming their children four right. different names. Caitlin, so, spelled weirdly. Yeah. So this is, uh, the kitten's current names are uh, Salil, shortened mm-hmm. to Sunny, which mm-hmm. is what I'm sticking with, because okay. that's a one. That's a good name. And two, we found our solar eclipse. And three, that's the first name we gave her. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Luna, Celeste, Lunest, okay. and uh, she's thinking about uh, solar pumpkin. Like she keeps trying out all these names. I'm like, right. if you keep naming her, she's going to never respond to a name. If you stick to one, it'll work eventually. I'm trying to remember characters from the from the musical Cats. Because <laughs> I also like Salem. All right, you got yeah. you, that's that's the cat from from Thingo. Uh, this cat from Sabrina. That's one. Uh, what are the characters in? What Old about Run Tom Tugger? Oh God, McCavity. Oh, I hate this. These are terrible names. Grizabella. Mephistopheles? I'm going to name God, her Deuteronomy after Old Dute. I'm changing my mind. I'm closing this again. I've never <laughs> seen the Cats musical and I don't intend to. I just know it is very funny to make fun of. Idris Elba's in that as a, as like a detective cat. Yeah. Or something. The weird thing is the only thing I know about the Cats musical is actually through, uh, through watching Worthy Kids, uh, Big Top Burger, because one of the backstories of one of the characters is they used to be on Broadway uh, doing a musical for Cats. Okay. I um, don't know what most of those words mean, but I agree. <laughs> I I need to just send you the YouTube video for uh, Big Top Burger. I It's a fun series. Okay. So it's very, very short, but uh, it's very All fun, right. and you you will recognize some of the voice actors, I think. Okay. Because I love cats so much. No, you you'll love the voice actors because uh, hold on, what's the uh? Oh God, they got too many fucking good. Is people it the critical role got... people? No, it's not critical role good. people. Yeah, mm. I don't mind them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're good people. They're good people. But uh, no, what's his name? Um, yeah, this is gonna bother me until I remember it. All right, burger cast. Oh, Ao and Debris, yeah, Sunwon yeah. Cho. I love these people. Yeah, Sunwon, uh, Lindsay Smallbatura, and her husband, uh, Tim Bat, Chris, Chris Fleming is on there Chris as Chris Cesare. Uh, Alex Hirsch makes an appearance in one episode. Who's Alex Hirsch? The uh, creator behind Gravity Falls. Oh who's, yeah, he had a tweet uh, thread. I remember. Yeah, him. he had a good tweet thread about all the stupid things that the executives asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, debris. Ah, yeah. I've seen bottoms. I can't talk about it because it's a strike. 
I think uh, they're also, I think they're either partners or extremely good friends with the uh, creator of Owl House, which is uh, Dana Terrace. Yes. I think they're actually married. I think they're married. Okay. Don't hold me to that. I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, Big Top Burger is very, very, very fun. And Mm. uh, on top of that, like, where the kids himself has, like, a whole bunch of really cool animations uh, with some fucking banging music. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Cats. I'll check it out. I'll have it open in a, in a tab. Yeah. Uh, um, the... Why are we talking about cats? Oh, right, right, right. Anyway, please continue your story about your cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or do the next topic, whatever you like. Uh, I will say, chances are high, we'll probably end up keeping this kitten. Uh, okay. She is very sweet. Every time I go to see her in the morning or, like, she's with me, she's just purring. And she has a favorite perch on both myself and Holly where she will just uh, sit up on our shoulder and just, like, nuzzle into our neck. It's really cute. Like she's a just a little vampire. baby. Yeah. She does look like a bat, so she might very well be a vampire. That's how it works. That's how it works. It is very interesting, the history of vampires and bats. I will just sort of say that. Because... That is a thing in South America, right? The, the vampire bat? Yeah. And European bats don't have that. And the discovery of the vampire, or the, the first folkloric description of the vampire, happened like centuries before they went to South America. And so that invention is actually a relatively recent thing. But anyway, continue. You have other things to say. But I have, I have, I've been thinking a lot about vampires because I've been doing vampire stuff. Anyway, continue. Yeah. We should bring that up as another next table over topic as well. We, we should did. bring that back for next month. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying we yeah. should bring that back next month because I would love to have that voter okay. on. Um, all right, all right, all right. But yeah, going back to what I was doing, uh, another thing I did over this past weekend was I literally was handed the keys to a, uh organization Twitch t- channel called Amateur Gaming League. and. Okay. All this was for a charity tournament called uh, Score for a Cure. It's their second one that they're doing. It was for a organization called To Write Love on Her Arms, which has been around since I was in middle school back in 2007. Okay. And uh, it's an organization to help those who are struggling with mental health, drug addiction, uh, suicide awareness, things like that. And our goal was to hit $1,500, which they did. Uh, there mm-hmm. was also another thing I didn't find out until after the tournament, which is it was a $500 cash prize tournament. Right. Which makes it more wild to me that I found out people were cheating in that tournament. Yeah. Well, that's so weird. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I Yeah. It's a charity event. Why are you cheating? It doesn't... <sighs> like, <laughs> it, it was weird because I would get alerts about the tickets in fact like i was supposed to be on for four hours i ended up only Mm -hmm. being on for three because uh also shout out to anyone who produces esports events i cannot do that at the same time of commentating you have so many fucking things to worry about like my overlay broke for the first game series i was doing is rough this is all for rocket league by the way i didn't mention that earlier yeah but uh it was extremely rough. I love my producers and uh, broadcasters so much for taking care of half the shit that you do because you take so much off my mind. Mm. Um, but yeah, it it's really weird to hear that because like it's kind of damn. You joined this charity tournament and like yes, there's a cash prize to encourage participation, but you're really just going to cheat 
at a special event meant to cater to help others and promote a good organization. That's low, bro. Hmm. The worst part is they got caught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, if it was me, I just wouldn't be caught. <laughs> yeah, you know, simply I... don't get caught, you fool. Get Marley, better. You know how I don't get caught? <laughs> I don't cheat. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, that's the coward's way. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> don't I, cheat I in these sports. Yeah. I still don't get it. I still don't get cheating, in, especially in like no. those kind of events. But yeah, that's basically what I've done over the weekend. What about you? What have been? Uh, what's been inspiring you? What have you been up to? Cole, I've been so busy. I've been so busy. Uh, so so I basically have been writing a lot previously, but for the last week, I've had like a week off. Like I basically did a two-week sprint of writing on, on the uh, Vampire the Masquerade game um board game which is vampire the masquerade milan uprising by the company i think it's called express or x something i don't know i don't call it that anyway um that's been over for a week and so i was just like all right now i have free time what do i do and first thing i did is i finished writing a tabletop rpg in a week but which is foolish and was too hard Second thing I've been doing is trying to find the perfect video game for my day-to-day -day life. Uh, I have been going through so many, trying to find the perfect podcast game, the perfect game that gives me the right vibes, and it's very hard to find. Um, I've been playing Fortnite. I have been playing Fortnite consistently for maybe eight months or something. Um, I've recently unlocked Alan Wake, and so I've just been... Running around as Alan Wake in the Fortnite uh, universe, imagining that this is what the dark place is like. Um, that's a joke for people who are familiar with the lore of Alan Wake, which I don't think there's many people. But there you go. Joke for you. Um, it's very fun having this uh, Stephen King pastiche uh, doing a Fortnite dance <laughs> and shooting people with, with a sniper rifle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trouble with Fortnite is it's deeply frustrating game and very annoying um it's just very glitchy i think i don't have like plugged in internet so that probably makes it worse but it's also like no other games do it like fortnite so mm -hmm. um i've also been checking out lamplighters league uh which is kind of like a pulp um indiana jones kind of thing um except you're not just stealing relics from from other cultures you're kind of like stopping pseudo-nazis from getting them the pseudo-nazis are just like occultists it's like alternate 1930s blah 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 blah, blah. and like the, the the villains are you know the wealthy industrialist who is kind of like a you know uh uh citizen kane guy whatever his name is can't remember his name hurst um and there's there's a weird knife lady she's also there and then there's Nikola Tesla, who's there as well. And so you're just up against those three sides. And you have cool little pulp heroes. Um, and you you punch people and do magic. And it's good. But it's very intensive, so I can't listen to a podcast. So it's bad. Um, <laughs> I've also been playing Quantum Leap. I'm going through all of these. Cole, you, when you're doing the description for this episode, just write, Fortnite, Lamplighters League, and all the other games, rather than having to describe each of them in detail. I'll, I'll, that's that's my recommendation. Quantum Leap, uh, Quantum Break, Quantum Leap is TV show, um, which is the Remedies game that it did after Alan Wake, because I'm excited for Alan Wake 2. 
Um, and it is what if, uh, what if uh, I can't remember the name of the game. Heavy? No, it's not Heavy Rain. It's like the. Do you know the people who made Heavy Rain? Do you know those those people? Uh, Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Detroit David, band Human People. David they Cage. Suck. Yeah. Worst company awful. imaginable. I hate them. They're really cruel to people who work there and stuff like that. Yeah, Quantic And their games aren't very good. Um, it's like, what if... What was the, the Elliot Page game? Elliot Page was uh, Beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. What if Beyond Two Souls was good? That's the general pitch. Like, there's a, there's a government agency. There is, there is action. There is things happening and stuff like that. Quantum Break is like that. It's more, like, time-focused rather than having your twin soul intermingled with you to give you psychic powers. Um, but Quantum Break is like that, and it's really entertaining. Like, basically, I just played the first two hours, which is primarily just walking around and reading text descriptions for the first bit. And then you do, like, combat, which is kind of mediocre, to be honest. Um, but it was great because I just, like, I love the world. I love, like, the people talking and, like... I like learning about my best friend, uh, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, who is not at all mistrustworthy. Um, and I had a lot of fun with that, but I can't listen to a podcast and, and, and do that. I couldn't even like read text descriptions because everyone's fucking talking all the time and it's great and I'm getting a story, but I'm just like, this is overwhelming. So I'm just like, fuck that, Quantum Break, you're dead to me. Mm-hmm. And then I started playing Dave the Diver, which is a game about diving in the ocean and and going fishing and doing the most optimal things to get uh your sushi restaurant going and also looking for atlantis and i'm just like yeah that's good i can listen to a podcast and play this Mm -hmm. still not quite there i'm still like missing something i don't know what i want to just have a game i want to have i want to just have a repetitive game that i don't have to think that's what i want i want something to just turn off my brain listen to a podcast organize a business, tidy a house, do that kind of thing. I want to do chores in a video game, and I haven't found that yet. So if you have any recommendations, please tell me what to get. There's a game called Arcade Paradise, which I played before and finished. And that's great because I just did laundry, and I hated all the arcade bits. If there's a game with just laundry, please tell me. Uh, at minor underscore Lenahan or minor hyphen Lenahan, link to ee slash minor underscore Lenahan, fire my social media sites and message me there, um, including send me an email and I will look for a game that way. Please send me your recommendations because I am distraught. Um, uh, yes? Oh, we have one. Tell I me. I have one. Uh, there is a game. I kind of wanted to put it in there for a joke, but I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It is. Fuck. Hold on. Let me go to my recent games. Because it is fairly old. Okay. It is a uh, a very fascinating game that I saw. There we go. Kind words. Kind words. Have you considered just writing letters to random people and reading no. people's random letters? Cole, I write for a living. I don't want to <laughs> fucking do this shit. Why am I writing letters to people? I've seen this and I've, it's been, I've, it's been, rec- I've, I've seen this and people said it's really good. Um, mm. It's very I sweet. Think Chris Bratt from People Make Games has recommended this. That's how I first heard about it. Yeah. Um, 
thought it'd be easier to make friends in college. I don't have time for this. This is shit I have in my own normal life. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, um, a, that's a joke. It's it's <laughs> it's legitimately rough going through it and go, oh, buddy, I feel you. I have that same problem. Oh, God. I do like the vulnerability of this. This seems kind of nice in that way. You can write a letter. You got a mail, dear. That seems good. As in M-A-I-L dot M-A-L-E. Um, that would be a weird distinction. Anyway. Send me recommendations that don't include writing. Uh, and yeah. I'm going to put uh, one in our Discord, but I don't want to talk about it yet. Okay. I, I but, will read it. I have. Okay. I don't want to talk about it, but I have done that one. Yeah. I do have the DLC to play, but I will not talk about it. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Farewell. Uh, End the podcast. Let's clap. <laughs> we're done. Uh, okay. Next. Let's talk about tabletop RPGs we've been talking yes. about. Yes. We've been talking about. We haven't talked about them yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, so we have three written down. I'm going to start because I have two and you have one. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Crush Depth Apparition by Amanda Lee Frank. Um, this is a game that I have had on my to talk about list for a month or two. And it's been one of these things that we've, we've always had like other things to talk about. And we've had to talk about, we've had guests on and all those sort of things. So I'm just like, oh, I'll just put it to the side and I'll just have it in the background for whenever I need it. But now I'm just like, I want to talk about this game because I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, and yeah, so the general gist is it is a horror game. It is set on a submarine uh, in, I think it's very early on. I think it might be the 1910s. It might be the 1920s, 1902, even earlier than I thought. Um, and basically you play as one of the people on this vessel. It's very cramped. It's very small. If you go to the website, which I, uh, which I recommend, it's amandalee.itch.io slash crush hyphen depth hyphen apparition with two p's because i always misspell it um it has some really cool maps on there and uh yeah and so you're basically on this ship you're sailing you're trying to get from i think england to america or america to england unsure um in order to test out this experimental craft um and while you're down there you notice that there's a door that shouldn't be there and that door leads to a strange, you know, a strange extra section of your ship. And it, when you look out the, the, the portholes, you see curtains. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And um, it is a really kind of interesting little, like, adventure where you're, um, you, you delve into it deeply. There's all the strange occult things that happen. The more you delve into what is called the labyrinth, which is this weird parasitic ghost dimension which leeches onto your your ship the more stuff gets weird um you're also like managing how much fuel you have you're managing how much battery you have and like what your speed is whether you're on surface whether you're underneath the surface and it is interesting it is really cool in that like there's a lot of things to keep track of it's very much like a survival game it's um I think this is something that, like, uh, uh, Riley Daniels, who designed, uh, um, Alas, nope, that's the other one, um, As the Sun Forever Sets, 
uh, would really like it because Riley has spe- uh, spoken about how um, much she likes uh, zombie. Zomb- what's that zombie game? Zombified, zombie, zomboid, zomboid, Project Zomboid. I Project got Zomboid. That. Um, that's a game, yeah. That's a game, and it's a really like really technical survival game. We have to keep track of everything, and we have to keep track of whether you have a pen or a pencil when you're making a map. And uh, similarly, this is a game that has like a lot of like focus on all the little tiny little nitty gritty details of all these sort of things. Um, having said that, it's also pretty simple. Like it is a D twenty system. You have three levels of health you have uh I'll, I'll open this up i have the sheet just here you have good you have poor and you have unresponsive uh you pick your general training which is medicine engineering or athletics add two plus two to relevant roles um specific trainings and that's it it's a very simple pared down like mechanics of the game uh there's a lot of systems to keep track of if they break certain things happen there's also like you roll on tables to see what kind of weird haunting you get and it's very claustrophobic very sort of frightening as you're trying to get there um it's great i think like number one as we always say with all these goddamn games the art is incredible um namely the art was the thing that sold me on this thing because I just saw like Amanda Lee Frank sharing art a while ago on on the social media site X. <laughs> Pardon me. And I was like, I, what is this map of a submarine for? What is this about? And I ad- adore it. There are like watercolors. Pardon me, like really cool black mm-hmm. and white watercolors, which I just adore. Um, the ghost stuff is like genuinely haunting. Um, as as we'll talk about later, I've been thinking a lot about ghost stuff, and I've been thinking a lot about sort of like um, how you approach like a group of a, a group of uh, uh, you know a group of like cast members in a in a story like NPCs you can sort of throw in and use, um, and this game is incredible like this. Um, the only thing I have to say about it is it's such a weird thing that it is like a one shot game. Because, like, this has a system, which is its own system, which is a D20 system plus all the modifiers. There aren't any other adventures in this setting. It's basically just, like, here is a submarine. It is haunted. Here's all this shit happening. Um, It's basically a dungeon delve, which is really interesting. Um, But once you learn the system and do the whole adventure, there's, like, nothing that happens afterwards. Like, you could survive or you could die. And then that's it. Like, that's the end of the mystery. And I, I am so curious about that purely from like a, I guess, a business perspective where it's just like, this could have been like a mothership hack, or this could have been like a, a um, liminal horror hack where they just, where Amanda Lee Frank could just pull this in, add it to an existing system. And then it has this connection where it sort of like is part of the ecosystem of, of an existing horror game or something like this. And it isn't. And I think that's that's such an interesting choice. I wonder, like, as someone who who basically writes, like, supplements and occasional very small systems, I, I am very intrigued by how that went and about, like, how how well this, this game is doing, I guess. Like, just because, like, that's something that's always on my brain. Like, is this, is this 
does this work? Because it is an original system and it is very distinctive. But just like, it's not a forever game, you know? It's not a game that has everyone playing, um, everyone's just going to play this. Like, this is the game that will do, do, uh, like, everyone's just going to play this game rather than playing other games. And it has a long lifetime. Like, no, this is a very limited lifetime of just, you know, a one shot of this, of this adventure. And I don't know. I'm curious about it. Um, it intrigues me. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. I'm really excited for this game. It was so much fun to read. It's $10. That's a cool thing. I paid for it because it's fucking it, it's rad. I don't think there's community copies too. But yeah. Uh, just looking through it, it's had comments uh, going through it over two years now. And mm. so much of it is just positive feedback. A lot of people... Uh, some of them are asking about the, uh, there was a, uh, zine it was a part of a while back, but for the most part, it's just, uh, folks sharing about their adventures, talking about, yeah. uh, what, what their story was like, is even out yet, and there's some, uh, the jokes and how yep. timely it is four months ago. <laughs> this isn't even out yet, and billionaires are already laughing at. Always a tastemaker, how Amanda is. <laughs> Very yeah, funny. I, I do really love this watercolor print. I'm trying to get it to load so I can look at it a little bit closer. But yeah. uh, I, th I also I didn't realize it was like over two years old. It's one of these things that I just sort of saw, and I was like, oh yeah, this is what came out a couple months ago. It's like. When I discover it, that's when it's new. It's like some stupid colonialist brain and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> Damn, that's out. that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been thinking about colonialism a lot. Anyway. Um, you think about colonialism the thing, same way most people think about the Roman Empire, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Australia. You, you've heard that joke? Yes. Well, everyone thinks about the the Roman Empire, like yeah. all, like all what is this, all men or something. Yeah, all men think about the Roman Empire, and it's like I don't. I do. I don't. I don't know enough about it. I think anyway. it, what's it called? I uh, I need to make sure I say this right. Okay. Vini Vici. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I mostly think about the land reform movement. What's the land reform movement? It's where they went around and took out a bunch of landlords. Cool. Where? In China. In Rome? Okay. Great. Yeah. That's where my mind's usually at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of. <laughs> speaking of land. <laughs> what game have you been checking out? I don't know. Yeah. So I just <laughs> it's got checking... nothing to do with landlords. But oh my it, god! It, it's got Isle, which is a type of land. Yeah, this is and true. It, so the game I've been checking out is called yes. The Hidden Isle. It's out now on Kickstarter. Uh, by the time of this recording, it is currently uh, eleven days away from wrapping. They've already hit their goal by a lot. Mm. Oh my god! Yes. Uh, by the time the recording releases, it'll be maybe a week or less. Uh, oh my god, they funded in 14 minutes. What the fuck? Yep. Uh, their goal was $10,523. They've hit way, like, a thousand percent over that, at least. Um, mm -hmm. But back to 
this is a game also with very equally beautiful art. Uh, the artwork is done by Elliot Baum and Viv Tanner, who did the illustration and graphic design. The Hidden Isle is a tarot-based RPG of sorcery and adventure, focusing on role-playing and collaborative storytelling, in which you tell swashbuckling adventures ar- across Europe and the Middle East, uh, specifically around the Renaissance Age, stealing forbidden texts from oppressive regimes, protecting the island of outcasts using ancient magic, and toppling empires with just the right speech at the right time. Mm-hmm. So the art drew me into this game, and the mechanics made me feel very comfortable and intrigued. Because this yeah. is a forged-in-the-dark game. They get rid of dice entirely, but instead use tarot cards in the same way to dictate uh, whether your actions have a complete success, whether there's a complication, or if you fail. Yeah. Uh, currently, there's am... a playtest copy out as well, yeah. uh, and if I remember right, I believe it's four character classes. Let me double check on the five character classes. There we go. And uh, it has that structure in the same way of your Blades and Dark Fortune the Dark type games. Uh, you'll have mm-hmm. downtime, you have your score, your scenario divination, and then you'll play the scenario itself. And then you'll wrap up the story. Uh, let's let me start with how the roles work in this game. Yes, I'm extremely curious about how do you forge the dark tarot. So, so yes. So in tarot cards, you have the minor arcana and you have the major arcana. Minor mm-hmm. is essentially aces through ten of pentacle, sword, wand, and cup. Mm-hmm. That becomes one deck. You also have the vision deck, which is your major arcana and the court cards of the pages, the knights, queens, and kings. Mm-hmm. And so they all have their own uh, bit to them. The vision deck provides uh, visions of what the score is going to be, what the mission is going to be. And that can be provided in a variety of different ways to give ideas. You can look at the image on the tarot card itself to get the idea or they do include tables there as a sa- as a uh, backup tool in case you need that. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to pull an example, I need to zoom in this PDF. I should have grabbed the printer, safe copy. But where it where did they put the card for it? So the vision deck itself is interesting in that it's also a prompt to allow you to see future the future, the past, and the present, you can call for a, a fortune at any time to utilize that uh, to call for a is, vision. Is that say. like a devil's bargain, or is that separate? Um, here, let me zoom in a bit. Uh, fortune card. <laughs> I, I am zooming in. I am so curious what you're zooming in on. <clears throat> or like so why the, you're zooming in. Are you, so, like, out? Like, how far away from you from the page? <laughs> so the page goes to... So 100%, I don't have the print printer uh, safe copy, I think. I just have the regular one. Okay. Um, so they don't actually include Devil's Bargain in this game. What you have right. instead are ideals, burdens, and then vices, virtues, and the core self. Mm-hmm. Um, when you... When you are making a challenge, when you're saying, I want to see if I can accomplish this objective, you 
have your seer, who is the GM, will mm-hmm. say, okay, you want to make a challenge. Let's figure out what that is. You want Okay, so you need to distract the guard. How are you doing that? And you will pick a skill, and the skills all relate to the different suits of cards in the pip deck. Uh, swords recommend, uh, represent skirmish, convince, and study. Wands recommend... Uh, Represents Unleash, Perform, Channel. Cops is Slip, Soothe, and Mingle. Pentacles mm-hmm. is Finesse, Bargain, and Survey. I love the combination of how, like, each of these cards don't just mean one skill set. They mean multiple. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. But you'll define the challenge, and then you draw hands from that pip deck. Uh, you draw, according to how many skill points, the challenger, the player, will draw one card for free for being a swashbuckler. And then we'll draw the amount of cards according to uh, how many skill points they have. The Seer draws two to four cards depending on the level of difficulty and then can draw more depending on unfavorable circumstances or anything they add into it. Uh, The same thing applies to the Challenger as well. If there are anything favoriting them, they can draw more cards. People can help out. People can play a card from their hand. They'll then both play a card... And the challenger and seer will basically choose one card each from their hand and reveal them simultaneously. And we'll determine the outcome. If the challenge is, so I said I, you need to make a distraction and sway the guard. Okay, that sounds like, uh, that sounds to me like it would be a bargain because you're making deals, finding compromises, or manipulating. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to manipulate the guard. So you need a pentacle to do that. Uh, both players will play a card. If you don't have a pentacle to meet the challenge, you will fail utterly. However, if you play a pentacle, but the seer has a higher uh, card, then that's where it's a complicated uh, win. It's a complicated uh, success. Right. And then if you do that entirely and the seer doesn't play anything, it's complete, uh, doesn't have anything to match a pentacle, then it's a complete success. Okay. Or if they play over them. Uh, actually, wait. Challenger cards on the shrimp signature. It's not. Yeah. The winning card is one of the highest number, regardless of suit. If the numbers are equal, player wins. Yeah. So that's how you take on challenges. You also mm-hmm. have a separate hand called a fortune hand. The right. fortune cards are interesting in that. You can play them and you will essentially kind of you'll be able to bump up the value of a card if you have something in your fortune hand and it will add extra. You can also use your instead of uh, pushing yourself, you're using your vice or virtue. If you use your uh, burden, you get to draw an extra card. If you use your ideal, you draw one fewer card, but all your cards are bumped up by three in value. So like a five of pentacles now an eight of pentacles. And you mark progress for any time you use that. The the experience system of this is very interesting as well because you can make risky gambits by using your ideals, which will put you into a worse position but will have a higher reward, or using right. your vices, which will push you further but can cause you harm later. And then they become... Uh, virtues and that they eventually these virtues become a core part of your character it's Mm. really interesting 
Uh, it's so cool because like that's a thing in in four to the dark like but it's like an end of session question or right, that's yeah. the xp question like did your vice or thing get in the way and then you're like at the end of the thing you're like did it i can't even remember I wasn't even thinking about that yeah. whereas this one encourages you to think about it through play which i think is a really cool mechanical little little thing mm-hmm. i like that so a, another really interesting mechanic about this, instead of, say, gambits or devil's bargains, you get to have visions. And you can trigger okay. these visions. This goes back to your question earlier about devil's bargain. I knew I saw this somewhere. I was trying to remember what it was. Right. But yes. vision specifically is everyone gets a vision card. Uh, the vision cards are a uh, card that they receive from Seer. I think it's either from the major arcana or from the minor arcana. It does not matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these visions reveal useful information, fill in explanations of the backstory. And the best part is it does not have to be a flashback. It does not even have to involve your character for this vision to trigger. It okay. is a brief glimpse of the past, present, or possible future. They need not be things an agent could directly witness and can be from any point of view. It's it's the establishing shot in a narrative. It is the... Uh, the shadowy hand coming it's the hand coming out of the shadows with a pistol right and it's it's also like the the, the cold open or something like you have like a, the the i don't know if that's a really good phrase to use but it's like the seeing someone like the enemy doing something in the background and it's like something your character doesn't know but it's just happening that is that's great and so it sort of like puts you in the role of like an omniscient narrator that's cool yeah uh, what's also really cool as well is this can happen at any time. Either the seer can play a vision card or a player can play it. And mm. at that point, it opens up the floor to let people kind of interpret what does this vision look like. And you can pull it from the card itself. You can use the imagery. Mm. Uh, they have a seer's guide, which is a separate item in the uh, playtest material you can look through. Okay. Uh, and... If the player played the vision card, they suggest the content of the vision. The seer takes a suggestion as their starting point and modifies that it's necessary and narrates the vision. The player's agency only want to receive the vision. If the seer played the vision card, they narrate the vision to decide which agents receive it, which I think is really cool to kind of just like add little twists and turns here and there for folks. Hmm. Uh, mechanics of the game itself as well throughout the missions is uh, items and inventory work the exact same way they do in Fortune of the Dark Games. You pack five items. You don't have to declare what they are until you need them in the moment. Right. Uh, that's, so that's not card-based. That's just like a thing. Yeah, that's just bait how it goes. Uh, instead of rivals, you have an adversary. And an adversary can either be a person, a territory, or an or- organization. It's cool. That's very piratey, I feel like. That feels like... You know, there's, there's, you're like a, a random pirate, and then there's the East India Trading Company after you, or something. Like, you're up against a whole faction. It's yeah. Cool. I think it, it it's appropriate for the setting, too, because it's a Renaissance era, and you're supposed to be going around Europe and the Middle East, which mm. have the seas and stars. And this is very much a magical land as well. You are in a hidden isle called uh, Dioscoria, which is a hidden isle of sage, adventurers, and ancient wisdom. And within mm. the walls of the secret, I gathered the misunderstood, the persecuted, and those unjustly punished for the way they live. Here they can yeah. flourish and return to it. But you are agents. You go out into the world to regain lost knowledge that used to belong here in Dioscoria or help save someone from somewhere. 
the enemy yeah. in this is the European colonizers spreading along the coastlines of the world like a hungry parasite and the Inquisition that accuses, tortures, and executes its victims across the Catholic world. That is interesting. So wait, what do you mean? Is it, wait, it's Catholic? Is this is this set on Earth? It's set on Earth, but it's like there's a secret isle. There's a secret land full of magic in uh, folks who are right. basically ostracized from other parts of the world for... And uh, are able to find like a plate, a sanctum here, essentially. Okay, that's cool. So it's like got some historical basis and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Adversaries. I didn't read too too much, but everyone can have an adversary. Uh, I thought there was something where it said you can have as many adversaries as you want. Mm-hmm. But no, it's mostly that they can come in at any time. They can be personal organization. And they are tracked on the adversary sheet. They can move the plot forward or just be an obstacle that comes in from time to time. Yeah. Uh, works very similar to like the beam saber rival mechanic, which I like. Great. Love that mm-hmm. mechanic. That's a very yeah. fun one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So magic in itself, I thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. you have an experience track for magic. You can know all the kinds of magic that you want, but you are a beginner at all of them, unless your class specifically says you are an adept. And okay. then the only way to get better is to uh, basically continue to learn magic and work on that experience track in order to improve upon it and get a higher proficiency. Mm-hmm. And uh, it works the same way as a challenge whenever you want to perform a feat of magic you're using tarot cards to do so and depending on how complicated it is or uh how difficult or high magic it should be that's how many cards you have to pull in order to make it work and if you succeed uh you get to uh you get to pull uh add on to the track for that and there's like a variety of magical sources you can pull from too they list angels demons genies uh spirits of the dead forces of the natural world and your own life force for others. Cool. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, put in consequences uh, of just like, here's, there are these severe consequences of like giving, you're supposed to give severe consequences to those who are not that skilled with magic and things to reflect change. It's, Fascinating how they did that. Mm-hmm. But now let's go into the character classes, which I think is the most fun. Yes. So we have five character classes. It is the uh, occultist, the illusionist, the uh, champion, the hunter, and the prowler. Mm-hmm. So the occultist is someone who messes with spirits and magic. Uh, they have really fun abilities. I love that. Again, this is a very different take on how I always read Fortune the Dark abilities of like, you know, you if you do this, you get increased ability to do this. Uh, this yeah. one's more, you get to, uh, for the occultists, you have a celestial bargain. You can take this ability to gain a new contact with an angel or a demon and set affection to maximum. This being will assist you in the performance of powerful or de- devastating magic and can act as a magical source. Each time you use this ability, lose one affection. Affection is a way of making bonds in downtime, and you can create new bonds and then 
get entangled with these people. They're also the folks who can heal you as well. Um, and affection takes like a variety of different colors along with that. Mm. I like it because it's almost like the the D and D warlock where you just like you you have like a someone that's helping you out. You're like it's like you have to manage that relationship, which mm. is. <clears throat> a mechanic I really liked. That's I mean it's kind of like an unofficial mechanic in D and D, but just like having like oh I summon a demon and I can build up the relationship or damage the relationship as it goes mm-hmm. and in order to do my magic powers. So that's cool to see. Yeah, it it's really cool to kind of see how this world interacts with magic and they give you just such a nice variety of different mm-hmm. things to approach as well. Uh, so far my favorite right now is I I love the champion just because. Uh, their big thing is they're the protector of the group. They're mm-hmm. uh, the strategists. They are chivalrous. Uh, they can, you know, they can bend bars, uh, break, uh, break down doors. And my mm-hmm. favorite ability they have is fight me or duelist is what it's actually called. But you pick a target <laughs> and you and that target will be 100% focused on each other until one is victorious. Gain plus yeah. one to challenges where you fight this target. If you abandon yeah. the duel or are not the one to strike the final blow, your pride is wound, take, wounded. Take one spiritual harm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love the idea of, of being like, oh, I will fight you and I will defeat you and then get defeated. And you're just like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm devastated by this. I was supposed to do something cool. I was supposed That's to deep. be the big guy on campus, but instead <laughs> I'm the little guy. It's very funny. It's like it it leads into the vulnerability of being the the toughest person ever, yeah. um, which I love. Uh, quick peeks at some of the other classes as well. You have the hunter, which mm-hmm. uh, is essentially your sa- kind of combination assassin, um, uh, ranger kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so far, the big ability that like caught my eye from them is for this one is the uh is the butcher you kill at any cost create a four segment butcher clock when you use this ability kill three or more enemies instantly draw a pip card aces have a value of one if the pip card number is equal to or less than the number of enemies you have butchered advance the clock when the clock is filled take one trauma right oh that's interesting god it's almost like it has an each of these abilities has like a fun punchline which is like gain, tra- like kill people so well. You do that really great, but you get trauma. Mm-hmm. Just think about that. Or like the, the champion, like, oh, face anybody, you know, take them on, you know, declare they will be your, your victim. But if you don't succeed, get stress or whatever. That's <laughs> so funny. I like the way they're written. Yeah. <laughs> I mm. also like, this is you talking about this, this class and about what it is has made me realize that the, um, what are they called? The hound in in Blades in the Dark is just the ranger, right? Yeah, that's all that cl- that class is. But it's just like they're so much cooler because they have a cool rifle and they have like all this like a cool hunting pet and stuff like that. And this is similarly the coolest looking class of all. Very look cool looking classes because we got like a little um, like the art is a like a musketeer or something. It has a cool hat. Has a feather in the hat, has like a cool cloak, has very comfortable looking pants and long boots. And I'm just like, oh, it's just a ranger. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. But it's just modern day. And so I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. Um, 
going to the next class, we have the Prowler, which is your thief, your yes. burglar, uh, your lurk. And the mm-hmm. one that caught me on, on my eye on this one is uh, Wisp, disappear in a wreath of smoke and teleport through a wall, ceiling, or floor. Each time yep. per scenario you use this after the first, your essence thins. Take one spiritual harm. That's so cool. It's, Again, like you're just slowly becoming the the eh. amazing. This game does a lot of fascinating stuff, and there's more you get into as well, like how harm hurts you, or like the contact making contacts. If you don't interact with these people enough, you gain distance and lose affection with them, and then they can be removed from your character sheet because you didn't spend time with them. You didn't and if build the relationship as much. Yeah. Um, also going back to that trauma for like the butcher and other characters, what's good. The reason why it's so important to build these contacts and continue to visit with them and make friends with them and design them. You actually get to make the, uh, contacts as well by drawing vision cards to help with Mm. the idea of them. Amazing. Um, but meeting with your contacts, the more affection you have with them, uh, you can do things such as you can tra- you can get training and get an additional XP if you have three affection with them. You can heal harm if you have three affection uh, ending affection with them, but you heal more with five. And then uh, if you have five affection, you can actually heal a trauma. Yeah. Uh, with heart to heart bonus, which is six affection. They also let you change your character uh, burden or ideal self, which is something I keep going back to. Uh, just burdens and ideal are a intrinsic part part of making your character Mm -hmm. and help create your character. But what's funny is you can make ideals from having a vice. So if your vice is reckless, you eventually learn your uh, ideal that you go for is to be patient. Is there, is there a way to become more reckless or something or just like driven or is it, or do you have to become patient? Uh, your your way of overcoming your vice is to become the opposite, or is there a way of like embracing it? Um, you uh, t- if you create a new ideal from vice, make it. It's basically an ideal inspired by your character's attempts to conquer the vice, but also you could right. prop you could turn it into a burden. Same thing with like a virtue. If you have something mm. positive about yourself, you know someone who is very compassionate and kind is burned to be the reliable one. Right. Yeah. That's uh, cool. Yeah. The big thing is they always ask you to make sure your burdens and ideals must be an adjective or a verb in the ING form. So, yeah, you know, you could be doubting, you can be hope, uh, hoping, breaking. Hopeful. I think it's <laughs> I, I, you have to, you have to work in that. Is hopeful yeah. an adjective? No one knows. Uh, no one knows. What is English? No one knows. Welcome to Inside the Table, where we don't know English rules, even <laughs> though one of us here is a writer. Yeah, I but I write I write in European and American English, so I get kind of mixed up mm-hmm. because I'm freelance all over the world. Anyway, but I I highly recommend people check out the Hidden Isle by Casa Creations. It's a mm-hmm. really fascinating unique take on the forge in the dark system and shifting the mechanics to tarot cards keeps it very fresh and 
uh, very interesting and gives me an excuse to continue to find more and new tarot cards to buy. That's also a thing that I was thinking about, that this is the a genius Kickstarter, because, like, if you just wanted the tarot deck, you could just back this thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess I get a tabletop RPG. But, like, these are some of the most beautiful tarot decks. Like, I have been following, um, I think, Viv? Is that, is that the name? Yeah, Viv is one of the artists who I think... I've been following... Yeah. I've been following them on Twitter, and just, like, seeing the cards, and I'm just like, I just want to see more of these cards on my Twitter feed. And um, it's, again, a really fun bonus to see that it is, it's a Kickstarter of a tabletop RPG in a system I really like, and so that's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I want to ask before we move on to the next thing yes, is that how would you feel about running this? Because one thing that occurs to me is that every time I've had my tarot read, or had to interact with that, is that it takes time to interpret terror. And I am wondering if that would slow the game down all the time. Would it be like hard, where every time you get like a fallout, you have to be like, okay, we need 20 minutes to figure out what's the best possible fallout for this character in this situation. Or like, I gotta figure out what this this terror, what like the death card means in this particular scenario in regards to characters. And from you reading the, the 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 preview material, what what is your impression on that? So to me, just reading through the material, I don't mm-hmm. think you need. I think they provide enough resources to help out the tarot cards to give ideas. Right. I mm-hmm. think if anything is un- it, I think it's just what follows the narrative, what sounds good in the moment. Uh, based yeah. on what we're pointing to. And I think if there's ever like a long discussion, it's going to be what the vision looks like or uh, what an interaction with a contact is. Not really, this is, we need to figure out what the consequence is of this action based on this card because yeah. uh, the seer has the responsibility of saying, okay, you tried to distract the guard. Actually, you made yourself more suspicious. They don't believe mm-hmm. you. You fi- uh, on this failure and in fact they want to bring you in for questioning but you cannot do yeah. that like i don't think i think there could be that long conversation of like what does a vision look like in the system what does uh you know i we've pulled uh we pulled the uh uh knight of swords what mm. does that mean for our characters and that could be a conversation, but overall, I don't think it would be something that would tie up the game in the same way like heart right. consequences would, where it could be anything on there, depending on what uh, track you're hit by. I like that, especially because, like, yeah, one of the things that, perhaps, like, the reason I don't like all the 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 uh, fallouts in heart is there isn't really that, like, structure or like like sort of um, supports behind that to make it easy to to come up with these things. So it's it's nice to hear that this game does have that. And so that's that's intriguing. Oh, one other thing I should add as well, there is and I keep finding games that do this and I love mm-hmm. that I can. Uh yeah. this game also has a rule for when you want to play by yourself. As an entire separate t- PDF for that it was uploaded 39 days ago. Yeah. That's that's really cool because if there's one thing I know about tarot is it works good 
when you're with friends or when you're alone. And so that is good. That's a very clever idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, you want to head on the last game? Yes, mm-hmm. I'll be quick. I know you said we were going to try and do 90 minutes, but the nature of these games is that there's a lot to talk about. There's so, so many cool things. Let me, let me begin by saying the year is 1943. Europe is in flames. You're a crack unit of vampire... Uh, you're a unit of crack vampire commandos with a single objective. Drink all of Adolf Hitler's blood and fatally destabilize the Nazi war machine. That's right, pals. We're talking about Eat the Reich. It's uh, it's It's got a Kickstarter preview. I backed the Kickstarter. I got this in an email a couple days ago, and I have read the shit out of this thing. It is great. I fucking love this game. It is really interesting. It is fascinating to talk about. Also, it is the most beautiful book that I have ever read. Beautiful, most beautiful tabletop RPG book that I have ever read. Um, each page is hand-drawn by Will Kirkby. Uh, it is mind-blowing, uh, the amount of details in it. And the amount of, like, tiny, small details, like, in the margins. Um, for back- background, this is this is Grant Howitt's new game. Um, uh, it is it is Rowan Rook and Deckard. Uh, it is... It is it is what it what 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 I said it was. It is it's a vampire game. You play a vampire and you kill Nazis in Nazi occupied Paris. Um and yeah, it it is fascinating because like I was talking a moment ago about Heart and how Heart sort of has this like not not necessarily some of like the support you would require. Um and sometimes I wish it was like slightly simpler in some aspects or just slightly more smooth. And this game is 100% that. Like, all the mechanics are so simple that the general gist is you enter a situation, there's really fast-paced combat, everything is overblown, you can do the wildest things, um, it's extremely simple to run, uh, and yeah, I, I really, really like this game. Um, it is, like many of Grant Howard's previous games, very bloody. It is very devastating. Um, it's less like heart. I think like one of the one of the key things it says in in the initial notes is that this isn't a game about deep character development. This is a game set over one to three sessions in which you arrive, you do a bunch of combat scenes, you steal shit, you drink blood, you kill Nazis, and then you kill Hitler. Like it's in the rules that you will kill Hitler. This isn't a game where there's a possibility that you will fail like that. It just will happen. And mm-hmm. you will describe what actually happens in it. Um, it is fascinating to have like a game that's purely combat and like, doesn't have a focus on com uh, on like personal um, like backstories and connections and stuff, which is still so light and so easy in many ways. Like um, again, there's a lot of, like there's this there's there is a lot of setup to making sure it is it is comfortable and it is safe like the safety rules are easily half this book like there's so many description about like should you do accents probably not um how do you approach like being nazis how do you approach like facing against nazis what what how how dangerous how like worrisome should you have the nazis be like should you do the the hitler salute no absolutely not 
that would be ridiculous. Should you like other aspects of Nazism that you shouldn't explore in this in this book about um resistance and about like sort of the the cathartic experience of killing Nazis and like yeah there is like it doesn't it it's set specifically in in Paris rather than in 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 you know Auschwitz or something like this because it's just like this isn't a game about dealing with a lot of the truly cruel things that the Nazis did um and yeah it is it is absolutely amazing um, I have been reading this and also writing a Porco Rosso tabletop RPG because, like I said, I'm a workaholic. And it's been really interesting because Porco Rosso has a very different tone to this. But, like, I love the way that it approaches, like, the weird technology and the weird equipment and, like, the fast-paced system. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a great system. Um... I've just rambled for a bit. Is there anything I should hit on? Um, no, I think this is just... Ah, oh, damn it. I have... Okay, I have one complaint, which is this paragraph. When you allocate a success to advancing an objective, reduce the objective's rating by one. When you allocate a critical, reduce the objective's rating by two. An objecting rating... An objective with rating zero has been completed, and the vampires have achieving uh, the vampires have achieved their aims. If the objective has a challenge rating, it absorbs that number of dice before it is damaged. For example, if you allocate two successes to an objective with a challenge rating one, you will only reduce the objective rating by one. That I read that five times the first time I read it, and it was just, what is going on? Um. I think they should change what the word challenge is. It is an armor or something. This is this is protection. Objective and challenge is the same word in my brain. <laughs> and so I'm just like, literally change the word challenge, then I'm happy. But the game is like, it, that's the only thing that gets me. And I watch an actual play, a really, well, the only actual play that exists about this, which is backwater uh blackwater dnd's actual play um and that tripped them up too just being like okay what is objective and what is uh, a challenge what is attack um uh because the wording is the only thing that trips them up because like the making characters is so simple like again when you have like an enemy turn up you have the objective rating which is what you like it's like the health or something that you need to get rid of you have the challenge rating, which is the armor or the protection, and then you have the attack rating, which is the amount of dice they roll to attack. And then that's that's basically it. But like that's the only thing that that sort of made me go like, what, 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 fuck, what is this? What is this paragraph? This is so simple until I got to this bit. Um, and again, it's worth noting that this is still this is the 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 backer preview. This isn't the final text, um, as far as I'm aware. But it seemed very close to being finished. And so that's my... If it comes out and the, that paragraph is still in there, then I'll be like, there we go. That's my that's my criticism of this game. But um, otherwise, yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention that it is... as Coming from someone who has recently written a, a supplement that's all about, like, oh, here's a cool location. Here's a cool location. Here's a cool location. And then just, like, throw these characters in there. Um, this game is really great in how it does Paris in that you just, like pick a fight scene like oh i just want to go to the metro station okay you just go there and 
take over a train, take out these enemies, and then you move on to the next one. It's mm-hmm. just a series of fight scenes um, before you go to the Eiffel Tower and, and destroy the Fuhrer in his Zeppelin. Um, and yeah, it has so much like character to it, but like you should read it. You should you should buy this game. It's it's great. It's written by Grant Howitt, who is always a joy to read. It's it's almost like the reason I like Friends of the Table so much is because I get to hear like Austin walk and narr- narrate things. And similarly, this is this is Grant Howitt writing things. It's very funny. It's very loose. It's very cool. I like I like reading this damn book because I'm just like that's a character. I love the the character of this author. It really I can feel it you know and it's 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 always fun to come back to and the system is great it's very fast and very easy and it makes me think about doing a weird hellboy game that is just this it's just like his weird paranormal people with really cool abilities attacking and destroying people um and yeah it, that was the fast and loose of it fast and loose also they had like a fantastic trailer come out when this Kickstarter was announced oh. too. Oh, it was so good! All of the 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 Kickstarter for this was incredible. The all the shit around it was well made. Like Rowan Rook and Deckard know how to do this. They know how to make a game. They know how to publicize it. Um, it is so evocative. Um, I also one hundred percent will recommend the Blackwater D and D's actual play because it has that trailer in it. And it really sort of like sets you up with like what the the setting is like, and it's like a three episode thing. Um, I I watched it the last couple of weeks. I've been sort of like following that actual play, and it's like a great introduction. It's like very very cool group to pick to play the game. Um, I also really like how the the uh, Fang Commander. It's not a it's not a GM. Um, the Fang Commander ran that game. Um, because Faye added like like so much character that isn't in the mechanics like they added um like real life uh resistance people and just threw them in as npcs and really focused on despite the rules saying there was no real character moments like there were character moments in this that they gave to the, the players and i really enjoyed that and i was just like really good showcase of the system um really good showcase of 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 blackwater D which isn't just D&D. It's a bunch of other systems. That's wild. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed that immensely. It's also like one thing I also want to say is similar to Crush De- Death Apparition, it has a very limited scale. Like you will basically play this for three sessions. It's not like a one-shot game. It's not like a campaign game. You will basically come in, play this, and then it will end. And it's not like a thing that you can play forever. And I, again, I find that deeply interesting because so many games are designed to be a forever game. So many games are designed to be like, oh, you have to play from level one to level 20. You have to do all this kind of thing. Or you just keep playing and then revamping it and changing it. And this one is very limited. It's It almost feels like a um, convention game that is just like something you can just pull out and sort of play really quickly. But it's not a great convention game because of all the safety tools. It actually goes into detail about like why that would not work um and so yeah i'm sort of really interested in these sort of medium length um campaign tabletop rpgs that just focus on that mm-hmm. um and yeah it's it's great you should check this out this is absolutely going to inspire so many games like this is like heart again 
I like heart and it was very inspiring to a lot of the things I'm working on designing. And this is similarly going to be like, Oh, how did, how did, how did eat the rice do, do this? And, uh, it is cool. So yes, again, keep an eye on time. <laughs> yeah. I've talked enough about this. Let us start the next topic. Apologies, Cole. Cole no, this is also on me too. I talked a lot about Hidden Isle. Yep, that's how it goes. Um, it we goes. have we have a bit we can cut out. Anyway, okay. but now yeah. on to the main topic, which is which is going to talk about a sort of like a post mortem on a thing I just released, which is Salvage's Isle, which, as I said in the introduction, is um, uh, a supplement for the game Beat. Nope. <laughs> Beat the Reich. No. Bump in the Dark, which is a tabletop, uh, which is a Forge in the Dark tabletop game, um, basically about like monster hunters um, dealing with supernatural threats. And so what I basically did is I made a supplement, which is both a setting, which is Salvage's Isle, a remote um, uh, national park inhabited entirely by tourists, uh, the super wealthy and employees um, who were just basically six miles from everywhere. They, it, I think it's like a six-hour ferry trip. It's based on a real place called um, Isle Royale in, in, in the middle of one of the Great Lakes. Um, and yeah, and so I basically made this setting and I came up with three different adventures, which are um, The Haze, which is about a strange mist of some kind, or a fog, you might say. Uh, coming in that has little ghosts inside of it and uh what are they seeking what are they after uh, i also have the gichigami beast which is basically what if bigfoot was jaws um basically someone spots a, a cryptid tearing apart some tourists some campers and then are like hey everybody this i saw this thing and so a bunch of like bigfoot hunter equivalent people turn up to investigate it which puts them in danger and also the authorities are just like, there's no such thing as this, as a, as a Bigfoot. This is so silly. Um, <laughs> and so you have to deal with the, the Bigfoot threat before people die. Uh, and you're also kind of Bigfoot hunters yourselves. Um, and the last one is a Cult of the Lake, in which um, a, a person, a rich person that everyone hates, goes missing uh, after, while going for a swim. Uh, his wife finds um, some weird ritual stuff and suspects that there is a conspiracy to kill, to sacrifice him. Um, and suspects that all the people on the island who don't like him or who are perhaps connected to a weird cult are trying to kill him. And so you basically have this sort of ticking clock dramatic thing as uh, as like people like notice oh there's a bunch of gold that just washed up on shore after this man drowned oh someone else goes missing what what's going on there and um and then it's just like this sort of like ticking clock where like you have to like watch out for the community trying to get their wish granted by doing human sacrifices and so those are my three adventures my three little hunts and my setting and yeah, that's what I did in a week. I had I did like some prep beforehand, but I basically finished writing on my vampire thing. I was just like, I'm gonna do a thing, and I did it, and I entered into the Iron Country, country Halloween Jam or Bump in the Dark, and you can see it online. 
Anyway, that's what I made, and now I'm going to do it post-mortem. Cole, take it away. Yeah, so what's <laughs> fascinating about this is, like, I, I think we talked about Bump in the Dark four weeks ago specifically. Yes. I, and I was reading it for this, yeah. basically. Yeah, you stumbled on the Iron Country game jam and uh, went, I'm going to make a game for this. Uh, yes. Where did the idea for Savager's Isle start from? Like, what what were you... Uh, what kind of horror when you go, okay, I want to sit this on an aisle with, yeah. uh, I want there to be a cryptid monster there. I want there to be a mysterious murder. I want there to be a cult. I can answer this directly. I want there to um, be a weird fog. I, so the great thing about my writing style is that I write by doing notes. And so basically while I was reading uh, Bump in the Dark, I was thinking about like what I'm doing here. And picking out like little tiny bits of fiction that, or like little like setting bits or like mechanical bits that intrigued me. And so I literally have my notes as I was working on this. I had like a little brainstorm sort of going and um, trying to figure out like what I was going to do. And so that was, that was really sort of fun. Like I wrote, um, uh, I wrote like some things I'd like to touch on. Uh, this location in different eras of its history, 20 years ago, 20 years from now, etc. Um, there is there is a note that I had, which is an idea I didn't go for, which is, while the void slash whispering veil, etc., which is the darkness, which is the, the, the weird supernatural element underlying all these things which give you powers, um, is a concern. Maybe there's a group obsessed with the light, which will arrive and solve all their problems. Um, it does the opposite of the void, heals, doom, takes dice away, prevents, deals with darkness, etc. Um, and so I was basically just reading through the mechanics and just like making notes about things that I'd be intrigued by before I came to like the idea of like a lakeside town. And then I was just like, oh, what would be cool to have in a lakeside town? Because, um, I think currently there's like a, a, a main town called Sawyer's Harbor, which is filled with all the rich people and all the, 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 the sinister organizations changing things. And there's a small town uh, next to a, a river um, called something. My brain cannot remember it. That's how my brain works. Um, but that's like the main setting of the game. And then I was just like, I want to have lake stuff. I'm interested in lake stuff. I could have it on the lake or I could have it on an island. And then I Googled uh, the, the, the basis for the setting, which is like Michigan. And I found the Great Lake, which is called Lake G uh, Gichigami in, the, in this setting. And there's an island called Isle Royale. And I was just like, all right, cool. They're on this island. I'm going to watch a bunch of YouTube vlogs of travelers who've gone here. I'm going to just think about like what would be interesting to have here. And then I just like stole ideas from movies. Like I said, Jaws uh, is a big inspiration. Uh, for the Haze is just a joke name because I am basing it heavily on a John Carpenter film called The Fog, which is a very similar setting. Ghosts come in in the fog as vengeance for like some some past wrong and i think the last thing was just like i like occult stuff so i have human sacrifice people being sacrificed to the lake because i like conspiracy i wanted to tie into the weird colonial history of salvages isle and so that's sort of what i came up with and just sort of built it up from there and i had like a bunch of locations written which ended up like on the map and stuff like that and that was that was my basic mechanic for making this the supplement but just like seeing what's in the book and then adding what i would like to have in this book mm -hmm. which is how i did that nice 
just had to answer a quick question. So, which so you came up with these three hunts, and uh, mm-hmm. do you have any particular ones that you're like, I love this one so much. Like this is my, like I love all my children equally, but this one's my favorite child. Cole, I love all my children equally. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. Um, I will also say that one of the ones that I'm most proud of is like again to market my own shit on my own podcast, which I'm allowed to do. Um, I really like the Gichigami Beast, which is the free uh demo. That's the that's the um what if Bigfoot was was Jaws. And that was really fun because it's just like it feels like the most appropriate to the setting. It feels like the most like, all right, this is a hunt. This is literally what these these things are called. They're not called mysteries, not called anything like this. Here is a monster. It's eating people. It also might not be real. Like it could be a hoax is one of the fun little things you get to add. Um, and uh, I like that the most. It's sort of like the best in that it is a really cool setting. But I'm deeply proud of the other ones. Like I love the weird shit that I got to throw in and like the weird uh, sort of, um, you know, characters that are happening in the background. One of the things I also love about the setting is that, like, I picked picked a very limited cast of people, and they're all interconnected. Like, you can basically do one mission, and like one of the suspects is a daughter, and then you do another mission, and then it's their father. And so the idea is, you're like on this island, you can do these missions in any order, and it was very hard designing that because I'm just like, oh, any of these people could die or become a suspect or be related to someone who died, and like, how would you address that? Um, but it was a really fun challenge because it's just like, that would just be so much fun because it's like an open world game. Uh, one of the weird inspirations in the back of my head was a Fallout 4 DLC, which I've never played called Far Harbor, which is just like, in my brain, you're just like running around Far Harbor and like interacting with the various factions and check out the different locations. Um, but yeah, to answer your question without rambling too much, I'm excited about talking about this shit because I've, I've, I've been writing it so much. But my, my, my favorite is the Gichigami Beast. Uh, I also love the art for that because it is a combination of a whale, a, an octopus, a bear, and a lizard. And I think that's cool. Yeah, it's actually, that was actually one of my other questions. Because uh, mm-hmm. this is an original art piece for you. How, how did it feel to yes. make art for your own game? Ah, stressful. Um, it was one of these things that like, um, so previously, if you look at my other games, I may have done like the cover for things or just like put in an image from, from Flickr and, and dragged it in and done some like changes to it. Like again, royalty free art. And then, and then basically uh, uh, adapted it myself. I did the cover. I think the closest thing I did to this was a liminal Colossus, which is me just drawing the Shin Godzilla cover, but making it pink. Um, but this one was really fun because I'm just like, I'm pretty familiar with like my Photoshop equivalent, which is a thing called Krita. And I could probably like draw this art myself. And I like experimented with kit bashing, which is just taking various pieces of different animals to make my cool cryptid thing. Um, and, and basically like borrowing from the fog poster uh john carpenter's the fog poster which has like a bunch of figures moving in 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 the smoke and i just sort of added all this like fun detail and then i just drew a, a little summoning circle on a on a um the the bank of a lake 
for the final one. And I was I was really pleased with how it turned out. Like having the restriction of making it black and the white to to match with other art in other uh, bump in the dark things. Um, and it's really interesting looking at the three things and just like, oh, they look very different and they were made in extremely different ways. And like, I was trying to have like a consistent art style throughout all three of them, but I didn't, I did something completely different. And it looks like, oh, just, just three very different artists working on this, but it's just all me. And I'm just like, oh, I could just do this. And it's so exciting as someone who, who loves, um, people who can draw and make tabletop RPGs like, uh, Amanda Lee Frank. Um, to just be like, oh, I could just do this. This is just a thing I could do. And I, I, I didn't have to worry about like hiring an expensive artist. I could just sit down and do this myself. And I was very excited for that. Um, and so, yes, it was it was very liberating um, and also very nerve-wracking because cause I'm just like, what if the art is bad? What if people don't like my art that I did? And so far, people like it. People well, like shit around the weird map that I drew. Yeah, exactly. And, and really like that. People like weird shit. First of all, mm. but, yeah, uh, I love upside down whales. Yeah, upside down whales are great, but yeah. So to to piggyback on that a bit, it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to put that in too, and being able to. I think the whole "what if people don't like my shit" when it comes yeah. to art and writing in that sense too is a very mm. like normal reaction to have. Yeah, but also it's going to find its niche and in some cases might even find more than just a niche just because it's going to reach out to some folks. Cause like if yeah. y'all are listening in and you're going on like, all right, now what, what the fuck are they talking about? And you look at the game, like the artwork is very fucking cool. And like, mm. I did not comprehend that this was a whale at first, but now that you've said yeah. it, I can see it, but also I'm like, is I the, also see the a eyes in the wrong place. place. It's it's a hundred percent designed to be like that. Like I I did a Twitter thread. I think I linked you to the, to the thread, Twitter thread as well that shows you how I photoshopped these together. Like it's it's just like there's like if you just Google the word whale, you basically get a, a Wikipedia page image of a whale jumping out of the water and splashing. And I just used that image in this art, and so it's basically just like falling onto its back. But I just put it upside down because it looks so damn weird. And, like, it looks like an alligator in my final image, but the eye is just in the wrong place. Like, it's at the bottom rather than the top. Um, and I love that. It was just so much fun to mess around with it just to f- make things look weird. And, yeah. It's fun. Messing with stuff is fun for art. Uh, mm. Going back to... But speaking of art, which is in itself a very difficult challenge... And yep. you also are writing for another team at this point in time for a different project, I, which I, yes. if I remember right, you can't really say what all it's about. It's just about vampires in general. NDA. Well, you can check out this, like a Kickstarter page for, or back a, it's like one of these things. It's called Vampire the Masquerade Milan Uprising. It's a board game, but I can't tell you what I'm doing specifically, but yeah. I can talk about it generally. But continue. Yeah. Were there any other obstacles that were especially challenging, either in just setting up this narrative of the three different hunts or just anything mm. you rubbed up against in the mechanics of Bump in the Dark? Yes. Uh, I would say that like one of the things that's really interesting about Bump in the Dark is it sort of has a very freeform uh, mission structure. Uh, like, it has... like. 
I don't get to say how it ends. I don't get to say what the mystery is. I don't get to say what the monster even is. I just, I basically just write a bunch, like an introduction, which is supposed to be a couple sentences. And for me, it's a couple paragraphs because I like writing and I didn't have a word count I had to worry about. Um, but the clues are something that's kind of difficult because the mechanics in the game is such that um, at the end of all the legwork, at the end of the investigation, before you jump into what is essentially like the, the heist or the mission, which is the confrontation, the climax, um, you basically have to answer three questions, which I could never remember. And as we're sitting here, I also <laughs> cannot remember. Um, I'm going to quickly open it up. Uh, one of them is contain. Uh, let me just go open this up. Um, but the thing is, like the 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 structure of like a mystery has it says clues, and then when it says making a mystery, it has um, a very specific like list of the kind of clues you should be giving. Um, each of the clues can answer like multiple questions. Um, but I came in and just like, oh, clues? I got so many clues. And then I had to stop and go back and just be like, okay, how does this game approach like how how you solve the mystery? Like there's a showdown role um, and I have it here. Uh, you have to do three things, which is identify, which is what is the creature or phenomenon? Explain what does it want or why is it here slash happening? And then contain, how can it be hurt, killed or dealt with? And the general like description for like how to write each series of clues is you come up with like three different clues to answer each of these questions. You can have like a total of nine and then you can do extra because you're me and you like adding extra clues. And so it was really difficult like thinking in that way and just like coming back and just being like, how do I do all the, the clues and having to come back and like clarify how this works and the way you have to do that, the way I did it specifically, was having like three different mysteries in my brain for each, like three different solutions for all these things, which you could sort of like mix up. And you could have like, like the, the Gichigami beast could be like a, a, something someone made up to to drive up tourism. It could be something that someone's doing to, to drive up their career, or it could be genuine. And so people just see it. Um, and that was so hard to keep in mind. And like... The day before I released it, I just stopped and just like, okay, let's not think about anything else. Let's just think about the clues and work them out and proceed from there. Because that was that was the big thing to keep in mind. Um, writing characters was so much fun. I got to add an NPC, which is just the, the fisherman from Godzilla. The guy who goes fishing in the lake and says, oh, I'm going to catch a big one on the East River. And then he catches Godzilla. That guy's in there. It's the the name of the the character is just a slightly changed name of the actor who played him, um, and I was ex very excited to have that. And like imagining all these weird little characters that interact is something that I just love. I love writing towns. That's just so much fun. Writing complications, just like you know, mixed successes that could interact and and mess around with things was was such a joy. Um, and yeah it's generally just the clues that really sort of like got me because i had to like keep all that in mind yeah um there were some clues on there that like i loved reading about hold on let me pull mm -hmm. one up because it was if i remember right it's in the cult specifically oh what was the cult ones it's also really funny because like the moment i finish it i forget it mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm having this open in a pdf um here we go it was uh 
I think it was just Max shows up and is perfectly fine. Don't worry. That's about a complication. It. Oh, that's a complication. Yeah. That's what it is. The I love the complications because that's the mixed successes of of or like the whenever there's a you know you roll a mixed success or a failure something appears that makes things difficult and there's like custom ones for each mystery but that one I fucking love I there's so many ones in the cult one like one of the ones is a tall stranger that nobody knows smiles at you and will not speak like that shouldn't stop you why is that a complication and it's just like I fucking it just makes you uneasy. And mm-hmm. I love that. And like, like you say, the Max Orbendorf uh, uh, Adofa uh, appears perfectly unharmed. Like that's the person who the whole mystery is built around. And so if this person's fine, what does that mean? And it's just like, it's so evocative and it's so fun to have this like little things to throw at people to interrupt the, the mystery. Um, I also like Max Orbendorf is uh, swimming trunks in a place where they shouldn't be as one of the clothes. Because that's just taken from Stardew Valley. I was going to say, is that a Stardew <laughs> reference, by the way? I wanted to make Stardew sure. Valley. <laughs> uh, so that's been fun. Um, and yeah, and it's sort of like really fun to have those and then also add at the end the, the void clues, which is like weird things that link all the different uh, like mysteries together and sort of build into like a grander narrative. Uh, like the way they work in the in the usual game is like there's void clues for each individual mystery. And so, um, yeah. And so this is different in that, like, I've sort of designed this, the Salvages Isle, um, as a sort of like mini, like season or something of Bump in the Dark, where you just have these clues, which build together and then has some kind of like final, again, I don't get to define it, some sort of like final confrontation that stops whatever's dealing with. What or whatever's messing with the uh, the island itself, like why is it so fucked up, and why are there three things happening at once? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really fun. That's sort of like this really interesting way of writing a mystery and writing three mysteries. Um, I will also say that I love the way that I designed this game from a marketing perspective because I had like I you I always feel like torn whether I should have a paid thing or have it free and give out community copies. And this is the first game where I haven't done community copies, but I have given like a free like mission. Like you can basically go to the, the page and download the Gichigami Beast and read through it. And then if you're intrigued by that, it sort of serves as a demo that you buy the full thing, which is currently like five bucks because it's 50% off. Um, but I really like that because like I've been struggling, like trying to find a way to give stuff away for free and get people interested in it and getting like people love getting free shit. Oh, and like always. you get to get free shit and then you can pay stuff to get like the, the, the full final, you know, adventure. Um, and yeah, it's been sort of cool to sit back and watch all the numbers go up <laughs> in the background. sort of seeing how it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, that also kind of covers a little bit about having a, uh, my question about you know you set this up for a demo and it's also paid as well yeah and i you wrote something down on here about writing too much description and i want to yes. kind of challenge that a little bit of that i don't yes. think it's too much description i think it helps color in the atmosphere for the folks who yeah. are playing this game i think it does a really nice job of reminding folks like yeah, this is supposed to be a horror. This is supposed to be something that like 
something does not feel right. So if I get really descriptive, something in the words you read will feel off in some way. Yeah. And I definitely wanted to touch on that. Uh, I think like, yes, I think that like, it's one of these things that like, you know, the, 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 the freelance gig that I've been doing is for a business and they have, they have various things that they have to keep in mind. And so as such, like one of the things I had to keep in mind is keeping things short. And this has been like having freedom from that. I'm just like, okay, I don't have a word count. I don't have to worry about like translating. I don't have to worry about any of that sort of stuff. Um, I can just write however much I like. And like other 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 hunts that are included in the Iron uh, Country Jam um, do have much shorter descriptions than me. Like they're basically a couple sentences, like mm. I said, rather than a couple paragraphs. And I like writing. I have a habit of writing too many words rather than too few. I don't struggle with writer's block except when I'm just like, I don't want to write. And then I write, and then I write anyway. Um, and so this has been so much fun because I get the opportunity to write in the way that I really enjoy, which is too much. Um, now, if you ask me, I mean, there's, there's two parts of my brain. One part is just that I should get this as concise as possible and short as possible, whatever. And the other part is 100% in agreement with you, Cole, is that, like, I have to set up the tone. I have to tell them exactly what the history of the Gichigami Beast is. I have to tell them what everyone knows about the Gichigami Beast. I have to talk about all this sort of backstory with his characters and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I have to write too many, you know, little things here and there. I have to. Because I want to tell a cool story. And this is an opportunity to tell a cool story and put more work into it, really. Um... And yeah, I'm glad it doesn't seem like it's like, oh god, cut out this. Um, but yeah. 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 And uh, I think this would be my last question. So, yes. Salvager's Isle comes yes. out. People have been playing it. There's someone who picks it up. Yes. What kind, do you want, would you want Salvager's Isle to end up as like a video game in the same vein as like Silent Hill? Or do you want it to become like a TV series? Okay. So this is, what do you mean? Like people like adapt it or pe- yeah. when people approach how, how the game, what do they want it to be? I want to fucking make this video game. You know, I want to make a shitty Bethesda game where people arrive on this place and do this thing. Um, the interactivity is a huge part of it. Like one of the things that is so interesting because like, like playing, like writing this out is, is thinking about like, okay, if I was a GM, what would I like to have? Like what sort of freedoms would I like to have and sort of do this? And similarly as a player, what kind of clues would I like to mess with? And like, how would I give myself the freedom to write it? And, uh, you know, I like tabletop RPGs because they're interactive and you can sort of change it in and, mess around with how a story is told and so yeah i would like to have it be a video game that is that is very free form and very loose and you get to you know accuse someone of a crime and they get arrested and then the the mission continues without them somehow and like thinking in that those confines like you know one of my ambitions is to become a video game writer and like to do these things and do mission supplements and secretly you know listeners I, I am doing this as a thing to put on my portfolio to work as video games. Mm. And so this is me being like, hey, check out this thing I did. I wrote a Fallout location, basically. 
Um, I have this thing here. There are events, there are missions, there's things that you're doing, and I'm also learning a system really well. So, hey, hire me. Hey. Um, you know, that cheeky thing. Um, so yeah, 100%. Like, it would be great to see it as as a video, as a, as a movie. I think that would be cool. But the thing I fucking love is having people interact with it and change it. And like, yeah, it can be Silent Hill. It can be Resident Evil. It can be Fallout. It can be Alan Wake, which I have been thinking about and probably shows. Um, so yeah, I, I really think that it's, it's, uh, I, I am curious to see how people interact with it and how people respond to it. And like, I desperately want to see an actual play of this damn thing. I wrote this to see an actual play of it. Like mess around with my setting, change it, make it your own. I was listening to the eat the right thing as I was working on this as well. And just being like, I want to see them fucking do this. I want to see people mess around with this. So if you do that, please tag me and I will promote the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. I'll give you everything you need. So that's, that's my thing. We'll have you on the show. Yeah. So Cole, what have you been up to? What's your final shout outs as we, as we close up the show and move towards the end game yeah. to quote the Avengers films that I hate. Um, I'm still, so over on my personal stuff, that's going on outside of taking care of a cat and mm-hmm. wedding planning. Uh, I'm yes. still streaming on my channel. Uh, I'm about to, cool. I'm working on finding time to go back into lies of P with Holly and mm-hmm. we'll be, which I watched. That was great. It's so fun. It's so fun. I can't wait to get back into that world. I can't wait to figure yeah. out what the lie is of P and statement. It's not water. <laughs> <laughs> Game is so stupid. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, I'm doing streaming. I'm still doing commentary for uh various channels. Uh yeah. Uh especially on my own. Uh you can also catch me out over the weekend for like Rocket Underground or Minor League Esports. Uh I did mm. some finals matches for Black Line Championship series, which was mm-hmm. wild. Um and I Actually, I can say this as well. I got a couple interviews lined up. One is to Ooh. be an esports coach for the YMCA uh, near my location. What? Yeah, after school esports coach for uh, uh, kids who come to the YMCA. Okay. Yeah. I knew the song. Yeah. Um, is it like that? It's like that. Yeah. Well, oh wait, yeah. They it's like a fireman. They don't have the YMCA <laughs> in Australia, so the YMCA is basically like a family fitness center kind of. They got like okay. a gym, camps, daycare, uh, resources for folks to hang out in. Uh, it's a affo- fairly affordable place to like get a gym membership yes. and take a shower, uh, clean yourself up if you're uh, living on the run, and such. Not on the run, but like on right. the road. And, no, run. Why not? Yeah. And then another one, which may, if I end up getting it, will be significantly closer to my house, which means I don't have to die in an hour worth of traffic back and to and back from my house an hour each. That's good. So hopefully we'll see what happens. And then on top of that, uh, yesterday, which is Sunday. Yeah, this past Sunday, uh, we wrapped up Fire in the Dark on Huntsman's Hydra. We finished yeah. season two. And now we're heading into interviews on the Patreon for Huntsman's Hydra. Uh, um, Patreon or Kofi? Uh, yes, both. I think actually. Okay, cool. But I highly recommend list uh checking out the last season. I know it's a little bit disjunctured just because scheduling was a pain this year. 
But mm. uh, lots of changes. Yeah. But the last episode was just such a wild juxtaposition because we split the squad at one point and just mm-hmm. things got weird for one side and very violent and determined on the other. It's the best way I could put it. Okay. Also, just uh, for the introductions, what is Fire in the Dark? Fire in the Dark is a Blades in the Dark actual play spo- uh, held over at Huntsman's Hydra. Huntsman's Hydra is a uh, Twitch channel hosted by Brandon Ashcraft and uh, uh, Mischievous Red, who are basically tabletop people. Uh, they also play a lot of Magic the Gathering on there. And it's mm. in the end goal of wanting to make their own brick and mortar store that they will end up calling Huntsman's Hydra. Yes, based on we had an interview about this. It was like an early episode where we we talked to Brandon about this. Yeah, I think um, like episode six, episode seven. Nobody knows. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Huntsman Hydra was like a tavern in game for them. And so yeah, be sure to check out their Twitch channel and see all their Magic of the Gathering content. Yeah. Stuff like that. You can learn about Doctor Who, I think. I think he's in there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, what you got going on, Marley? My God. Do you know how I always go? There's nothing happening. I'm just working things in the background. This has been an episode where shit is happening. I released Salvage's Isle, which is minorlenahan.itch.io slash salvages, no apostrophe, hyphen, Isle. It was originally called Salvage Isle, but then that looked a lot like Sa- Savage Isle, and that's not a vibe I want to go for. Next, I, I, uh, one of my, one of my little mysteries, a vampire mystery, um, is going to appear on the uh, Strange Squad Kickstarter, which is launching soon. You can basically go to their page, which is at a link. Uh, let's see if there's an easy link for it. Um, it's kickstarter.com slash projects slash s hyphen murphy hyphen games slash strange squad or just check out strange squad um there is upcoming things happening uh i don't think there is a publicly released uh, date for when it is starting but just feel free to follow that and click on the notify me at launch button and see how it goes i'm extremely excited to get that out there and to have people try out my weird mystery um so check that out uh next uh i have i have four things there's so many things uh is uh literally today before we were recording i saw that game master monday uh that that podcast uh released their actual play of a mystery that i wrote which is the ghost storage facility which i wrote for uh paranormal inc which is basically what if ghostbusters was run by amazon and so they had a warehouse full of ghosts and it was having labor issues and also like sabotage issues slash ill maintenance issues and so amazon hired a bunch of freelancers a bunch of independent paranormal investigators to come and deal with it Hmm. and because they don't trust their own workers and so there is an actual play of that which i'm very excited about um it'll be in the description um and you can go and have a listen to that the podcast and and hear what what my game sounds like being played what my little supplement is it's not my game um and finally i just submitted some games to the upcoming games for gaza bundle 
to support Palestine because that situation is fucked up. Mm-hmm. It has been a fucking week listening to that, and I have the deepest sympathies for everyone going through that shit. It's fucking awful. So, shout outs to Palestine. Uh, if you are supporting Israel, whoa, fuck. Jesus Christ. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to keep an eye out for the Game for Gaza bundle, and of course, donate to, to help the people in desperate need. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this was Inside the Table, the tabletop RPG talk show, and thank you very much for listening. I was the tabletop RPG designer known as Marley, aka Minor Lenahan. You can follow me at linktr.ee slash minor underscore Lenahan. And my pronouns are he, him. And joining me today is my future Linktree buddy, Cole. Hello, Cole. Goodbye, Hello. Cole. One of the two. Goodbye, Marley. I was Cole. <laughs> you uh, you can follow me at IceColeBrew on the uh, social media such as Twitter and uh, mm-hmm. Tumblr, Instagram, uh, Mastodon, Blue Sky. Hive. Hive. I, I keep I keep not wanting to mention Hive. I haven't used it in years. It's fine. <laughs> I keep I, it. I have a co-host, too, and I've yet to touch on that in a while. I touched on it recently for, for publicity reasons. And that worked really, really good. I had a fun conversation yeah. about Godzilla. Nice. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, he, him, and thank you all so much. Yeah, I also got really sad when you say goodbye. <laughs> it was just this thing. I was just like, oh, no, you're leaving. That's Whatever. fine. It's just... <laughs> No. Anyway, you can listen to this podcast. You can find this podcast on on the social media site X at Inside the Table and our various social media sites uh, at linktr.ee slash Inside the Table. Um, and be sure to review on Apple Podcasts and all the other things. Again, not sure what that does, but apparently it's good for the algorithm. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to send them in to insidethetable at gmail.com. And if you do that, we will probably discuss it as a main topic that happened previously with uh, uh, Laurie. And that was really nice. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Laurie. Hope the PAX thing is going well. That's a little inside joke for, uh, joke for, uh, for Laurie. Uh, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, who should they recommend it to, Cole? Uh, they should recommend it to the smiling man who refuses to talk behind them. Always in need of a podcast, that one. Very, very enthusiastic about podcasts because he has nothing to say. Yeah. Uh, we also solely rely on word of mouth to advertise, advertise this podcast. So be sure to recommend it, share it on the various social media sites that exist in the various scattered parts of the internet. I'm not on TikTok. Probably put it there. That would be good. Um, and be sure to support us on Patreon so we can continue making good stuff and buying games and checking out cool games and talking about them and advertising them on our podcast. Much like the podcast can be advertised by you. Um, anyway, every day is Five Star Friday here at Inside the Table. If there's a game you like, go out and give it a five-star rating. And again, share it around. Uh, and without any further ado, Cole, we did it. We're at the end of the episode. So without any further ado, goodbye, Cole. Goodbye, Marley. Hope you have a wonderful time. I will. Enjoy that vacation to that weird aisle you're going to. It's not a vacation. It's hard fucking work. That's fair. That's fair. It's a slight vacation. It's very quiet. It's very quiet. Talking about there. a whisper makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Much like the real Isle Royale, something that was literally said in a vlog and that I, bo- I borrowed for my, my adventure. It's a fucking weird place. Anyway. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
doesn't have those up. God. Viftana Elliot Baum. I love the last name Baum. Do you know what it means in German? No. What? Tree. Just tree. Yeah, that's lovely. Heart of Gold. That's what I have been following. 35. Episode 35. Yep. Episode 35. Yeehaw! That's bad. Yuppie! Anyway. It did did have a little bit of Mario in it. I did like that. Um, Shout out to New Mario. Shout out to the New Mario. All right, ready to go. All right. Uh, let's clap at. <clears throat> uh, want to do forty, forty-five? Yep. 